Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks. And remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want they to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to the In Search of series here on the Illuminati Social Club. I'm your host, Jason from Parma. Joining me this week, as he always does, from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, for the last time this season, Mr. Oliver Oxide. Hello, all. How's everybody? Excellent. How about yourself? Super, thanks. I'm, I'm seven days away from sunshine and warmth. Hooray. <laughs> I'm happy. And from someplace even colder and darker... Uh, Doc Pinko, Steve Cloutier. Clu- At Cloutier. least it stopped raining. Yeah, yeah, it stopped raining here, too. But, hey, guess what? It's supposed to rain tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't rain for 40 days or 40 nights. Uh, well, you know, might be talking about that. Foreshadow. Uh... Yep. We are talking about Season 3, Episode 19. And ladies and gentlemen, this episode is going to be a little different because we are probably going to end up playing the entire episode as we go along. And I, as I'm saying this, uh, I'm going to say we're probably somewhere around 60 minutes on this episode. That's just my bet. Because we are talking about, as Steve foreshadowed, Noah's Flood. Gentlemen, do I even have to ask your impressions of this episode? I will anyway. Uh, Steve, what were your impressions? Well, there were some people in this episode who were, who, who claim to be scientists. <laughs> if they actually have degrees, I think they should be taken away from them. <laughs> Would you be talking about Henry Morris? <laughs> uh, amongst others, yes. <laughs> Oliver... Go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, two things. Um, first of all, you know we we all, we celebrate the bad uh, on this series because we always have fun, you know, mm-hmm. and w- with the bad episodes. And what we mean by fun is, you know, um, you know, cat ladies who want to be royalty, all the way to you know Geneva Convention violations against dairy products. Right. We we <laughs> we. <laughs> We we celebrate the bad, but this episode is just bad. Oh, it's God, bad. yes. And I don't even have to get into the religious aspect of it because this episode has absolutely no logic whatsoever, and it's they it's a counter it's a counterintuitive to logic. Oh, absolutely. The second, the second thing is it makes this episode rare is that the in the past episodes that we've done. Uh, on some episodes, we've commented that in 40 years, uh, science or history has caught up and answered some of these questions. Mm-hmm. This is the first one where in 40 years time, this uh, topic has gotten crazier. Oh, I know. And this is also a topic that science destroyed a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, now we don't even have a Noah's Ark and Noah's Flood, but bonus... Now we have dinosaurs on the ark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So in 40 years, this topic has gotten crazier, and that's what makes this remarkable. But outside of that, this episode is just bad. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. Um, 
I let's see. I I am basically I am playing this straight from YouTube. I'm not I I got six clips in and it was like I'm just recording this entire episode. Uh dead serious. I mean every line in this episode sucks. Uh, and it is every line in this episode is something that we can completely eviscerate. So. But the thing is, Jason, is before you get to it, is it's that this could have been eviscerated in 1978. Oh, I know. You know, this, this is this was a this was eviscerated in 1850. This this <laughs> this has so many holes in it. Oh, I know. Which we'll get. So, so let's uh let's let's start this off. According to the Bible, God said unto Noah, "Make thee an ark." Behold. I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth. Right. No written word has survived as much skepticism as the story of Noah's Ark. A century ago, scholars dismissed it as a quaint old legend. Then, evidence of its authenticity began to appear. In 1870, a young British clerk found that ancient account of Noah Recently, divers in Florida found human bones submerged by an Ice Age global flood. And now, climbers are risking their lives on treacherous Mount Ararat for the greatest archaeological prize of all, remains of Noah's Ark. A few... So, there we go. There's, there's the intro. And I'm I'm going to address one line here. Noah's Ark only survives skepticism because well-dressed Bible thumpers command their flocks to buy it hook, line, and sinker or suffer eternal hellfire. The only people who buy into Noah's Ark are the people who believe they're going to hell for not believing it. And yes, I went religion right away. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, since you Be- opened the door. Because, because, um... <laughs> because there's no... Like... Catholics don't believe in in the literalism of the Bible. Um, most of your most of your Protestants don't. It's only one one sect, one or two sects of one part of Protestantism that actually buy into it. Yeah. Well, I as you know, Jason, I'm I'm very much an atheist, or right. I like to I like to use the term anti-theist, which I think is more appropriate for what I believe in. Right. But um, so I, the thing about this episode is that I we really don't need to de- debate the religious because there's so no. much else going wrong. Oh, I know. In it. Okay. <laughs> but um, just as a just to get my 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 anti-theism out, uh, you know, of my of my psyche at the moment. First of all, you're right that people who biblical literalists have to make this circle square, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They have to make this work, and we'll get to that as we go along. Oh yes. Um, but the biggest problem with Noah's story, we're talking about from a religious sense, that I always has to be questioned, is uh, if you're a conservative uh, person, and I, what I mean by conservative in this thing is a literalist, uh, mm-hmm. biblical literalist. Uh, you have to, no one ever brings up the fact that this story is told in Genesis six through nine. Right. So 
after six chapters, after five chapters, God gets a redo. (laughs) Okay, this is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he decides to do a redo five chapters in. Okay, that's number one. Now, if you're on the liberal side of things and look at this, look at the Bible as more of an allegory Mm -hmm. of lessons and things like this, what is the lesson here? I don't know. This is what's always betwixt me about the whole about the whole Noah story. Mm-hmm. Apart from God being a bit of a, an a-hole, right. uh, what is the lesson to be taught here? Um, so right, just that's just my from my religious point of view, I mean from from my my theory on this, that's part of the problem right off the bat. But as I said, we don't really have to bring in religion to any of this to debunk this whole 22 minutes. Right. Steve, anything to well, add? Yeah. It, it, well, yeah. Well, I was just thinking as, as Oliver was um, talking that this was God's equivalent of turning it off and on again. Oh, yeah. You know, was... and, and, and Oliver's right. There, there's, there's no, I mean, I suppose the only thing you could say is that there's, the, the, at the end of the story, there's that sort of covenant between God and humanity um, but even that, I mean, you don't need to destroy the world in order to uh, create some kind of covenant between God yeah. and his believers. But I, that doesn't I wash, don't. because after you get past uh, chapter 9, Abraham becomes the first person in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. I mean, he takes no he takes no regard to this, yeah. not to mention the nudity. Right. Uh, <laughs> the frolicking of nudity. Uh, so... That's the other thing that I don't quite understand about the point of the story. Right. So, um, the, the, the other, the, the only other reason I could see that, you know, Noah's Ark still persists to this day is pretty much every other story in the Bible is, you know, would qualify under the, the, the heading of not even wrong in that it, really you can't disprove them you know they're they're just they're they're stories you know that are ridiculous and i mean noah's ark you know is wrong <laughs> there there never was a global flood um it, it you know there's evidence of there not being a global flood um even you know millions of years ago there wasn't a global flood um, the, the story, the story of Noah's Ark is, um, it's based on, uh, an earlier tale. I, I believe it was, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh was the first story in, you know, that yes. started the flood myths. Yes. And that's when the Euphrates flooded. Yes. Yes. And it was a, it was a local flood, which, you know, that those things happened and, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because they do end up going, you know, they do end up going into even bigger evidence, which is uh, folklore. But we, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. Shall we continue on with this episode? Let's go. A few feet of snow, a few days of rain can destroy a city. In Johnstown, Pennsylvania, after only two days of rain, the river rose 46 feet. 25 people were killed. When rivers burst their banks or tidal waves sweep onto land, 
the death toll can be staggering. Time and again in the 20th century, we've witnessed the awesome destructive power of a flood. Yes, we have. The greatest legend of all is the flood. The story of Noah has been told in many fanciful ways. No, many, uh, many fanciful stories have been told through Noah's Ark. You know, the, no, Noah's flood is actually not... I don't even think it's close to the oldest of, uh, of, of the flood stories. No. No, I mean, Epic of Gilgamesh, I think, predates it by like 1,500 years. Yes, it does. So yeah, and and there have been plenty since. Well, it it predates it when we when we say though when we use these years, we have to kind of qualify that because we when we say fifteen hundred years, we're we're working on a scale of people who believe that the Earth is only six thousand years old. Well, so we we kind of have to. We, well, <laughs> no, uh, no, no. What I mean is liter- literally the the story the. The earliest origins that people can trace the story back to, yes, um, is Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh, when... Gilgamesh predates literally Noah by fifteen hundred years. Yes, but we don't know when the we, right. we, we don't know when the first. Yeah, we know we found the evit. You know the the written like a written record or you know something resembling a written record of it, or we you know through the the literary device uh can trace the you know its lineage back to a certain date yes or you know a certain era well we can't so, about gilgamesh we yes. can't about we can't about the we can't about the pentateuch right okay, well because so that, that's what i meant there's there there's five different uh there's at least five authors of the pentateuch Oh, oh well. Oh, see, we're getting. I, I thought the the author the author was Moses. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Steve, okay. do you have any input on that? Uh, not off the top of my head. Oh, no. you're not. Uh, you, you, you Wimp. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, even having said that, I mean, you know, it. I mean, the Bible has been notoriously edited and re-edited oh, yeah. over the years, anyway, right? So. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the problem is is that I'm sure that people who are who who are Christian now regret ever taking the the old Jewish books along with the on along on the ride because <laughs> they 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 have so much I mean you know between Jonah and the whale and this story and and you know God being a basically a mass murderer they all have to account for this in the old in in the Old Testament. Uh, let, let us continue on. He's about ready to talk about a big boat. A recent recreation, The World That Perished, made by an organization called Films for Christ, tells the tale in a literal fashion. According to this recreation, Noah's Ark was 450 feet long. Such an enormous barge could contain enough animals to repopulate the earth. The Bible says Noah took seven of every clean animal aboard. It 
rained for 40 days and nights. But the waters were on the earth more than a year. So, yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I want to know how kangaroos got on the ark. Um, also koalas, dingoes. Um, and they had, they had uh, you know, of course, they had baby lambs. Uh, what'd they feed the lions? Maybe the baby lambs. <laughs> oh, there's more problems. <laughs> there's too many problems. Yeah. Notice that he said that the Bible states that it's clean animals. Yes. When they say clean animals, they're not saying that they just got, you know, soaped up at the local car wash. <laughs> right. Uh, under, under, under Talmudic law, that would mean no pork, no pigs, oh. no shellfish. So um, if he was, if Noah was not allowed to bring uh, uh, pigs on board, and I and I understand that someone you know, uh, Jason, has a terrible fear of killer pigs. Uh, but um, <laughs> yes, she but, does. Yeah, uh, but uh, no bacon, <laughs> no bacon ever. No. Uh, but the other if, thing if is, they didn't, if if he didn't take pigs on the ark, wh- why pigs now? <laughs> Exactly. There's so many inconsistencies with this oh, story. That absolutely. It's not even which brings us to the craziness, which I'm sure we'll get to it uh, oh, eventually. And we're we're uh, working our way there. That's a <laughs> that's a person named after another pork product. Funnily <laughs> enough. Steve, anything to add before we well, uh, continue? Well, this is just my perverted sense of humor, but um, when when he when I first watched it, and, and they were using the recreation for from uh, the organization called films for christ in my head i thought starring kirk cameron <laughs> <laughs> or kevin sorbo he's yes. kind of the he's kind of the rising star oh yes true, yeah. true. uh so let us continue bible scholars have estimated that the deluge would have killed one billion humans and 35 trillion animals they say that is exactly what god intended to erase a wicked, violent world. So, searching for proof of Noah's flood is like trying to solve the greatest mystery story of all time. Clues are everywhere and have been found in the most unexpected places. Okay. So, an all-knowing God could not foresee that his creation, uh, you know, was going to turn evil and... uh, the same all-powerful God could not simply change their hearts and minds or weed out the worst offenders. No, eh. because God, the God of the Old Testament is a mass murderer. He Ooh. killed off a billion people and trillions of animals ended up as collateral damage. Yes. Now, we, we could also make the argument about one billion people being on the planet at the time, which mm. I find find dubious. Um, and... Uh, Second of all, this is this is as the great Christopher Hitchens uh, coined the phrase. There makes no sense to tell us that we were created sick and then ordered to be well, mm-hmm. which is basically what God is doing here. He has made us; He has created us sick and then ordered us to do, be well by dying. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, so let us. We're, we're going to be introduced to George Smith now. 
The modern search for Noah's Ark began in 1870 with George Smith, a British bank clerk. Tons of broken 4,000-year-old tablets had been dug up near the Persian Gulf and stored in the British Museum. Smith was translating the cuneiform writing when he noticed a line that sent chills up his spine. An old man named Utnapishtim took his family and all kinds of animals aboard the great boat and the flood. The next piece was missing. Smith struggled with the puzzle for nine years. When he published his findings, they created a sensation. The London Daily Telegraph raised enough money to send him back to Nineveh, where against all odds, he found the missing piece. I just go out and buy a new jigsaw puzzle. Uh... <laughs> I can just see him. Uh, I can just see him at the dining room table going, "Is this a boat? Does this look like a boat? Just get into a boat." No. Uh... Can we can we just pause here and and talk a little bit about? The really annoying music. Oh yeah, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you you are hearing this whole episode, so you get to hear all the annoying music that we listen to every week when we watch these shows. That's why we hey, do them two at a time. This is the beginning of CCR Christian Contemporary Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I expect Sandy Patty and Amy Grant to come on at any moment. <laughs> Uh, and anything else to add about uh, Mr. Smith and his, uh, you know, his 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 quest to put together a jigsaw puzzle? Well, not yet, but I think you're. I think we're going to get to the the problem. There's another issue here. By by the way, when I'm, you know, if when you want me to stop, just raise your hand, yeah. and I will see it. The details were so exact, it seemed to confirm that Utnapishtim was just another name for Noah. It... Okay. Yes, okay. Oliver. <laughs> uh, uh, that whole Unapishtim thing is another name for Noah. Okay. You know, citation needed, people. What, what, um, from what to what? <laughs> That's number one. Uh, I'm assuming that Noah being Hebrew, so we can take one half of that story. Mm-hmm. But how do we get to Noah from that? And number two, we have the Alma problem. Is everyone aware of the Alma problem? No. The translation uh, from uh, Greek from Hebrew to Greek created a lot of problems because sometimes it wasn't exactly accurate. Okay. And the word Alma is the best example of this uh, because Alma in in uh, in Hebrew means young woman, young girl. Okay. When the Greeks translated it, it came out to be young virgin. Ah, okay. Which is where we get the whole Mary story from. Makes sense. Because remember that the Bible was reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. That there were stories within Daniel and things like this in the Old Testament that predicted Jesus. Right. So they kind of reverse engineered it. So these translations, because they don't give any source for this translation, nor do they tell us another half of the story, how do we get to Noah? How do we get to from that to Noah? Can't get there from here. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I think it shows what, what, what happens is, is they find stories and then they fit those stories to match what they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. You know, he, he was, he, he was looking for Noah. And so he found a story that was like Noah. So it must've been Noah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's called confirmation bias. I believe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, shall we continue? told of sending forth a dove, then a raven, to test for dry land, and the great boat landing on a mountain. The Bible says, and the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. For more than 2,000 years, mountain climbers have told of a huge ancient boat hidden in the glaciers of a mountain called Ararat, near the Russian-Turkish border, and now surrounded by top-secret missile sites. In the last 30 years, several research teams have braved the storms and avalanches to hunt an elusive prize. Many people thought this picture caught a glimpse of Noah's Ark, but it turned out to be just a boulder. (laughs) Some observers have seen the Ark in a tiny blip on this satellite photo, but an active imagination can see many things. Oh, oh yeah. In 1969, members of the Search Foundation climbed Ararat with modern equipment. Risking their lives in a crumbling crevasse at 14,000 feet, they managed to film an incredible find. Beams of hand-hewn wood were discovered. A piece of Noah's Ark would be the greatest archaeological find of all time and would discredit the theory of evolution. <laughs> no! Well, I, off, I think that you... I, I think the big I think the bigger find here is that dude's pink shirt. <laughs> okay. Well, number one, just in response to Steve's claim, yes, the music sounds like Kraftwerk on volume. <laughs> it, 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 it's terrible. Second of all, and this is where this is where we really start getting into stuff that just makes no sense whatsoever. Right. <laughs> Even if Noah's Ark was proven. Mm-hmm. Even if even if everything was explained and found, it that has absolutely nothing to do whether the truth or fiction of that story has absolutely nothing to do with evolution. No, <laughs> they are two separate things. <laughs> what you are what you are what you are saying is is what you are talking about or going back is is biogenesis mm-hmm. you are saying that if noah's ark is confirmed that means that god brought life to the planet okay. that is biogenesis that that is not evolution they mm-hmm. are two separate no, topics. exactly yes a biogenesis or biogenesis whichever which whichever whichever uh, word you want to use is the start of life evolution is the uh adaptation the adaptation and uh, uh natural selection of life or you know it's the diversity it, it explains the diversity of life through through uh 
natural selection and uh, allele frequencies and all sorts of other fun stuff. No, Noah's Ark does not prove or disprove evolution. No, it doesn't. Two different topics. We still have like 15 minutes to go. <laughs> Steve, anything before I continue on? No, go ahead. Is that your way of saying I'm being too wordy? Hoping no. to date the wood to 5,000 years ago, <laughs> the Search Foundation sent samples to Reiner Berger, professor of geophysics at UCLA and a world leader in radiocarbon dating. It consists of oak wood that is very dark. It looks like it has been exposed to lots of water or melt water. And obviously it must have been brought onto Mount Ararat because it's way above the timber line where that piece was found. Uh, these reports of wood being 5,000 years old from Mount Ararat, I think are erroneous. A number of my colleagues and I have separately dated separate pieces of wood from there and found it to originate from around AD 700 to 900, in other words, the Middle Ages. Although some scientists challenged the validity of radiocarbon dating, the presence of the Ark on Ararat... <laughs> no, no scientist worth their salt challenges radiocarbon dating. Sorry, Oliver, did I steal your line? No, 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 you're the host. You can steal any line you'd like. <laughs> First of all, let me comment that Reinhold's comb over oh, spectacular. God, yes. I, 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 I was going to interrupt, but. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't seen a comb over that good in a long time. Oh, I know, no, I, think, I know. I think the last one that we missed, because we missed it, was at the end of a show that got cut off on YouTube. Yes. Um, <laughs> secondly. Okay, radiocarbon dating, is, as Jason has pointed out, is disputed by no scientists with that can actually put a, a degree past their name. Mm -hmm. The thing about carbon dating is that it has a range. Exactly. Okay. It can't, there's only so far it can go back. Right. And then you have to go into, you know, uranium, uranium, the, or yeah, it can't give you the exact year. Right. But, but it has a range, but no scientist, and especially at 900, you know, in the middle ages, Carbon radiocarbon dating would have absolutely zero problem identifying. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I do know people who get into arguments with me, or well, have gotten into arguments about that radiocarbon dating is bullshit. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I, no. I, I, I had to laugh though that you know they wanted to use science to disprove science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> the thing is, if. If the if the if the Earth turned out to be six thousand years old, that would completely invalidate any radiocarbon dating because you know, yeah. But and you know, pretty much any uh, you know any other radioisotope dating. So there you go. All right, let's continue on. That has not been confirmed. There is, however, overwhelming evidence for the flood. No. No, there hasn't been. No. There is no evidence for the flood. No, there's evidence of floods. Yeah, oh yeah. There's plenty of evidence of floods. <laughs> but remember, this whole show is based on the fact that you are taking, you are adding something special <laughs> to this flood. Yes, and the this fact is that part of the, supposedly... This is part of the, 
Sorry. It covered everything. <laughs> well, well, that's another issue is that, okay, let's take the fact, let's, let's say that everything is, is kosher with this story, if I can use a term. Mm-hmm. So that the Ark ended up on Mount Ararat at about 14,000 feet above sea level is, what they, is where they found this chunk of wood. Yes. Okay? That would mean that the actual surface, the, the surface of the ocean, the whole world has been covered up to 14,000 feet mm-hmm. above sea level. Yes. There's not enough water in the world to do that. Even if every ice cap, even if every, even if every ice cap melted. Oh, oh, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get into that. Okay. Sorry. Coming up here. <sighs> But again, again, it shows the confirmation bias. Oh, yeah. They oh, find, absolutely. They find evidence of a flood, and therefore it must be Noah's flood. There, there's there's a comic about, uh, there, there was like a, there was a comic about uh, creationism versus science. It said, you know, here's the evidence. What conclusions can we draw? And for the creationists, they say, here's our conclusions. What evidence can you find to fit it? Or what what can you find to dispute it? <laughs> yeah, well, Something which is yeah. So okay, let let us go back. Nineteenth century scientists delighted in poking holes in the story of Noah. Twentieth century scientists do too. <laughs> for a time, the theory of evolution seemed to sink the ark for good. <laughs> Many 20th century scientists, however, have come to believe in the story of Noah and the Genesis flood. Here, here's our here's our first really like major production fallacy, because they're going to introduce a scientist. Chief among them is Dr. Henry Morris, an expert in geology and the flow of water. We have in our Creation Research Society, for example, uh, at least 600 scientists, and then there are thousands of others who are uh, scientists, that is, they are trained, qualified scientists in different fields of science, some of them geologists, some of them biologists, chemists, and so on, they have the whole range of science represented. And these men all do believe in the worldwide flood, as well as a special creation. So there's a real uh, revival of interest in what we might call biblical creationism and catastrophism today among Many scientists, it's still a minority, but it's a significant minority. There were two main causes of the flood, we believe. One is that there were great subterranean pressurized reservoirs under the Earth's surface. These erupted, bringing with them tremendous quantities of volcanic materials, magmas, as well as water, steam, and so on. Then that, uh, together with a tremendous downpour of rain all over the world. That doesn't make sense, because where did the rain... The rain has to come from the water that was already on Earth. So it's just, you know, it's called... uh, What is it? It's called the hydrology cycle. It's basically the water cycle. Well, there's another huge gaping hole in his argument. (laughs) is that he is using natural forces to explain something that he believes that God descended upon mm. the earth. He's God. <sighs> he, he can just make water. He doesn't need to, mm. you know, shoot up geysers and and stuff like this. He can just send water down. 
So he's trying to he this is the problem with creation scientists is that they try and use natural phenomenon to explain a spiritual outcome. <laughs> and it makes no sense whatsoever. So they call him Dr. Henry Morris. Um I'm looking up here on Wikipedia, also known as the Oracle. Uh, he graduated from Rice University with a bachelor's degree in civil engineering in 1939. So obviously his doctorate uh, probably came from an unaccredited, uh, what, what you would call a, uh, a, a diploma mill. Well, it came from Bob Jones University, probably, because they're not accredited. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether Jerry Falwell's Liberty University is accredited. I'm almost positive Regent University, which is run by Pat Robertson, certainly is unaccredited. So, yeah, he's gotten it from one of these places. Um, yeah. Also note that they called him an expert in water flow. Mm-hmm. Um, just, 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 yeah, uh, just take note of that because when we get something later in the episode, I'm going to prove I know more about water flow than he does. Um, we'll have um. Oh, let's see. We'll, we'll get we'll get uh, Francis Hitching to talk to him about water flow. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he could use his dowsing rods. At, at that point, Dr. What's-His-Face will go, no, that's garbage. No. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Resulting from the condensation of a pre-flood worldwide vapor canopy around the Earth, a blanket around the Earth that uh, kept the Earth as a giant greenhouse in the time before the flood. This all condensed and precipitated. There were tremendous torrents of rain all over the world for a long time. At the same time, these subterranean fountains and reservoirs burst open and so both from above and from beneath the earth's crust just literally was eroded and transported and redeposited the earth was destroyed essentially in its original form and then redeposited and a new world emerged then after the flood then wherever you look in the mountains or in the valleys everywhere all over the world you find evidence of the flood the entire geological column really speaks of catastrophic hydraulic burial and this is a flood no, the geologic column, uh, it, it, it shows us that, you know, things happened in cycles and in eras and in ages, you know, they, there's, there's definite strat, you know, there's definite, uh, you know, layering strat stratification in the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the geologic column. If it was a worldwide flood, it would pretty much just lay down a whole bunch of mud and stuff with it. But here's the thing with the geologic column. You know, the like the earliest. Uh, uh, there was a years ago, there was somebody who he, he had, you know, the perfect way to. um the perfect way to disprove evolution was to find fossil bunnies in the Precambrian, and you would disprove evolution. 
and haven't found those yet. So, anyone? Hello? <laughs> I, I, I'm here. I mean, you're right, Jason. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's a gobbledygook parfait. It just keeps on stacking on top of each other. <laughs> and title. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to type this out. Believe it or not, gobbledygook is a legitimate word. Oh, good. Uh, After my is... okie donkey mistake last yes. night, I, 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 I feel much better now. <laughs> I'm using real words again. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the title of this episode is Gobbledygook Parfait. <laughs> Thank you, Oliver. You're welcome. All right. Shall we continue on? Henry Morris founded the Institute for Creation Research in San Diego, California, where those scientists who call themselves creationists are gathering data in support of a worldwide flood. One dramatic example of rocks telling the story of the flood is the Grand Canyon. Not only here, but all over the earth, sedimentary rocks are found in great thicknesses. Since there is no worldwide time gap or unconformity recorded in these sediments, Morris reasons they must have been deposited by a single worldwide event, the flood. This took about a year. Canyons were then quickly carved in the soft sediments as the floodwaters receded. The present Colorado River just simply does not have enough energy in it. There's not enough energy in the uh, dynamics of the water to cut that canyon even in a trillion years. In other words, the only way that you could have that canyon be for there to have been soft sediments, uh, tremendously greater quantities of water than now flow through, through the river, uh, then it cut down rather rapidly, maybe starting with giant uh, opening, maybe sort of giant mud cracks or something in these uplifted flood sediments. So the, the whole Colorado Plateau area and the canyons going through it really speak of catastrophism, not of uniform tyrannism. It, 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 it's like, you know, the Colorado River has always moved at the exact same speed for, you know, since since the time, you know, it, it first formed. It's always traveled at that slow speed that couldn't possibly carve rock. No, it's, you know, traveled in several, uh, you know, several different speeds over the years. Well, that, that that was my point about him not know not really understanding the water flow. <laughs> it's like, of course, of course it can. Yes, erosion, erosion. It's like, of course it can, and that that's also assuming that it was one thing that created the Grand Canyon as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, ice ages with glaciers and you know all those kinds of things. You know, the Grand Canyon. Uh, you know, even if you say it wasn't the Colorado river that did it. Well, no, of course, of course not. Cause there are other forces that are helping the Colorado river to create the grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, number one creation scientist is an oxymoron. Yes, it is much like jumbo shrimp in Russian elections. Okay. <laughs> so, um, that that's number one, uh, as Stephen Jay Gould used to say, they are no non overlapping magisteria. Uh, number, number two, 
he can't be a scientist because he does not understand erosion, as Steve pointed out. The argument that he is trying to make is that the erosion happened all at one time with mm-hmm. one incident. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That does not happen. But <laughs> that, does, that, that can't possibly happen because that's not how water works. <clears throat> By, by the way, uh, I'm 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 sorry. Uh, I have to. Uh, I do have to make a correction. Uh, Henry Morris uh, studied at the University of Minnesota, where he earned a master's degree in hydraulics in 1948 and a PhD in hydraulic engineering in 1950. And I think it was money wasted because he learned absolutely nothing. No, so I take back my little shot about you know non-accredited universities <laughs> as well. Apologies. Uh, and thirdly, if I, if I, sorry, thirdly, if I may point out, even if the Grand Canyon, and this is a favorite subject of these type of people, uh, I'm sure by at the end of the episodes, we're going to talk about someone who pushes this theory right today. The Grand Canyon is one of his big talking mm-hmm. points. Even if that happened in one day from one event, that doesn't mean that it was Noah's flood. No. No, it could it, have been. It, it, it could have it, been a North American flood. It, it could have been the Pacific Ocean making its mm-hmm. way over. Okay, uh, one does not explain the other. No. Uh, shall we continue? More annoying music. Other independent geologists have found evidence for the flood. Dr. Clifford Burdick has been to Mount Ararat four times. This guy. He failed to locate Noah's Ark, but his scientific mind recognized other clues. We did find many evidences. We were very surprised about what we did find that supported the the, uh, theory that there was an ark. And because that the mountain was covered with water at one time, and this is one of the evidences we found great bodies of salt at 6,000 feet, which uh, indicate that the water was much higher than 6,000 feet at one time. And also at 13,000 feet, we found conglomerate rock, which is rounded and formed underwater. And also all the way up and down, we found what is known as pillow lavas. That is liquid lava is poured out uh, under the water and uh, it freezes quickly in the form of pillow shaped uh, affairs. So we have three principal evidences, I think, that there was a flood, although we didn't get to see the, the ship itself, unfortunately. Okay, first of all, is this the only group of people that actually use the term evidences when talking about evidence? The The plural of evidence is evidence. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So let's see. He said that they, they he found salt on top of the rock or on top of the mountain. Yeah, because and well, he also found conglomerate rock which forms underwater. Well, yeah, and uh, there's a simple reason for that. Mountains form underwater and work their way up as plate tectonics, as as two gl- two uh, tectonic plates run into each other, it causes the mountain, a mountain to form and spring up from the water. Yes, I know a little something about something. Um, I've, I've, 
I've studied enough, you know, n- enough of the sciences, not enough to be an expert, but enough to actually know something about them. So, yes. By by the way, um, the the uh, Institute for Creation Research. Uh, yeah, three three words for you: uh, Kitzmiller versus Dover. Look it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a Republican judge, I might add. Oh yeah, oh, telling, yeah. telling them that they were full of it. <laughs> so, um, yes. Well, two out of the three. Two out of the th- first of all, this this dope is going up the mountain with a. He's looking for Noah's Ark. Oh yeah, yeah. So again, confirmation bias. Number yep. one. Number two. Two out of the three examples that he uses can be caused. I mean, I can't explain the salt. Jason's done a better job of explaining that mm. than I could ever do. But that could be done by glaciers. Oh, yeah, the that, other too. Two. that too. It's a mountain. That's true. Steve, anything to add? I, I was just creeped out by a smile. <laughs> he, he had a weird, this weird. It was a little pervy, wasn't yeah, it? It, was, it, was. it was a little. Was a little. I'm in the playground for no I, particular reason, kind exactly. of look. Yeah. <laughs> I I, on, I honestly think we should do this as a, uh, a as a live tweet episode at some point. But that would mean we'd have to watch it again. Oh, and my thumbs would be exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue. Many of his fellow scientists would say that Burdick is off by a hundred million years. However, uh-huh. evidence for the global flood came from another field of research. Folklore. (laughs) On every continent are countless cultures, each with its unique collection of myths. At least 200 amazingly tell the same story of an ancient flood. Uh, We have a story like Noah from India, too. And it's about Manu who caught a little fish who told him about the flood. And so he went and built himself a boat because of which he survived. And uh, when the water went down, he found himself on top of a mountain, which is still called Manu's Descent. And when the water receded, uh, it left the valleys that we still see in India today. From Kenya. Yeah, we have a story like the Noah's Flood, and this was actually caused by a woman who was a rainmaker. This guy's got the greatest tie. Was disappointed by some people in a party. <laughs> and she decided to tell her friend to take away all her belongings, and she brought a big rain. From many American Indian tribes. In the beginning of time, there was a great fall of snow. Then a mouse came and gnawed at the leather skin and let out all the heat. Which caused a great flood that covered the fir trees and all the Rocky Mountains. There was an Indian man who came and saved all the animals and put them in his canoe. Even evolutionary scientists were puzzled by this consistency. They began searching for a source of water which could have flooded an entire planet. No, they didn't. What what they did was they they talked to, you know, uh, anthropologists, and they, they found out that most of your civilizations sprung up, uh, you know, like you know in a, in the same general location on 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 land that's usually next to water and you know the worst you know one of one of the big things especially for your you know your your tribes that you know pray to the gods they don't want the the gods to be angry and cause the river to break its banks 
or they want the river to break its banks, Egypt, to, you know, create, you know, a fertile land. So, you know, flood flood stories would automatically be, you know, be the de facto for just about any civilization. Also, the, the, this this part of the of the episode has completely invalidated the whole point of the episode. Exactly. <laughs> you have just contradicted yourself. <laughs> I don't. I. Uh, this is why I say this episode is just bad, just from <laughs> a logic point of view, because you've just you've just exposed the fact that every culture has this story. Mm-hmm. And you are trying to to trumpet that one takes precedence over all others. Yes. Yet you've just argued with yourself. <laughs> Yet some of these myths, you know, some of these stories that folklore has actually came before the flood of Noah, as it was told. And the so. other thing is, is that these stories all have something in common, is that Usually they involve the four elements of the earth mm-hmm. before people knew what the elements could do and could not do. Right. And why they did what they did and why they did what they didn't. Well, I mean, either you listen to the stories, they're not Noah's stories. No. The, the first one said, uh, from, from the Indian story, said that a fish, some fish told this guy that there's going to be a flood, so he saved himself. Mm-hmm. That's not the Noah story. No, <laughs> that's that's a flood story, sure, but it did it it did. There was no claim that it flooded the entire earth. There was no claim that there was a boat. There was no claim that there were animals on board. It was just you know some friendly fish, Aquaman. <laughs> uh, you know, um, warned him there was going to be a flood. Maybe he might want to get in a boat. The the question is, is it? Uh... You know, blonde-haired, uh, orange, you know, or- orange shirt-wearing, uh, super friends, uh, Aquaman, or is it Jason Momoa, su- uh, Aquaman? I know, <laughs> I know which one my wife would want. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if, if, if he's bringing along Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. I'm okay with whatever. I I say if he's bringing along uh, uh, Gal Gadot, uh, Wonder Woman, I'm there. All right, let's continue. They found one in melting ice. When the last ice age melted, the oceans of the world rose 300 feet. Yeah. Now scientists suspect this may have happened very rapidly and could have been the basis for the stories of Noah's flood. No. Cesare Emiliani, professor of geology at the University of Miami, was investigating ancient tide marks and made a surprising discovery about the effect on North America of melting polar ice. At at a certain point in time, when this ice cap had thinned out considerably, seems to have collapsed and produced this flood down the Mississippi Valley and elsewhere. There were also floods in the west and so on, in fact, giant floods in the west. Research vessels sent Emiliani samples, collected from the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. A heavy probe punches out long cylinders of mud. By measuring oxygen isotopes in this mud, Emiliani found that almost 12,000 years ago, 
fresh, cold meltwater suddenly flooded across North America into the Gulf. Yeah, so? There is no question that the sea level rise in the Gulf of Mexico would in fact affect the rest of the ocean because the Gulf of Mexico is open to the rest of the ocean. So if we, there is a sea level rise in the Gulf of Mexico, it would affect the entire world ocean. We have been able to estimate that peak flooding down the Mississippi Valley might have reached occasionally an amount about 10, maybe even 20 times larger than peak flooding in historical time. So a very huge flood or a series of flooding for a relatively short period of time. So, first of all, I'm going to say that proves nothing. That proves that there was flooding in North America, which nobody's disputing. Um, also, what did you say, 12,000 years ago? Well, this was the point when I was watching it that I both I sent you guys a, a message on Twitter saying, can I have a coherent timeline? <laughs> The thing is, I, I guarantee you here, um, they were interviewing this guy without telling him what the premise of the episode is. So he's, you know, they're just talking about flooding in this case. You know, they're not talking about a global flood. They never, I guarantee you, they never asked this guy if there was a global flood. Because he would have he probably said, no, no, not at all. Well, he does say that later on. Um, and by the way, Steve, when you sent that message, I thought you were talking about the time we were recording. Oh. <laughs> um, so maybe I was incoherent. Uh, but this uh, this guy does explain two issues that contradict, again, the whole episode. Mm -hmm. Because he's just explained how the Grand Canyon happened. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> and number two, okay, so you're 300, the ocean is 300 feet higher. Okay. Yeah. That still doesn't make it to 14,000 feet above sea level in no. Mount Arat, Ararat. No. And we know that the Gulf of Mexico is dangerous. Ask anybody who lives in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Right? Which we're, we're going to bring that up later as we mm -hmm. get to it. But, um, you know, my, pl my place in Florida is on the Gulf of Mexico, and it is 15.15 feet above sea level. <laughs> okay? It... <laughs> You know, this is just kind of the deal around the Gulf of Mexico. Every, but, this is not news. But by the way, you say you know you mentioned New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is twenty two zero. That's twenty feet below sea level. Yeah, it's like Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, hey, by, by the way, guess what? We only have four minutes to go. Our, oh, our then minutes. we're get, we're getting to the good stuff. Then. Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Emiliani's theory was confirmed when Florida scuba divers found human skeletons and cave dwellings underwater. Warm Mineral Springs, a popular health spa, is a 250-foot deep sinkhole. When divers stumbled upon remains of a community now submerged, the experts dismissed it all as a laughable hoax. Sonny Cockrell, Florida State underwater archaeologist proved the experts wrong. He created an elaborate videotape system to record every dive and eliminate any possibility of fraud. He confirmed the amazing fact that these caves were dwellings. 
Well, the fact that we have a human burial, an intentional human burial, a man buried with his favorite tool, the spear thrower, with uh, stalactites placed in to cover up the burial crevice, uh, indicates that that was at one time dry. Cockrow found an 11,000-year-old human skull, preserved by the oxygen-free mineral water. His discovery offers new proof for Noah's flood. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> In 2,000 years, they're going to excavate New Orleans and find a skeleton probably with beads around its neck, <laughs> and that has absolutely nothing to do with Noah's flood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. Is it possible this Indian was a victim of that flood? No. Or a witness to rising oceans at the end of the Ice Age? Well, yeah, maybe. It, it depends upon whether or not uh, the sea level rise occurred uh, rapidly enough to be noticed by the people. There was a period from around uh, 11,000 years ago to 6,000 years ago when the sea level came up from about 100 meters to about 10 meters below present sea level. That was very, very rapid geologically. The question remains, was it rapid uh, in terms of human behavior? We'll need further research. I think it's an answerable question. Geologists now believe the collapse of the ice cap was in places devastating. When Glacial Lake Missoula broke through a huge ice dam, parts of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana were scoured by a 1,000-foot-high wall of water in a single day. But the Starbucks survived. <laughs> Was this Noah's flood? Scientists disagree. So we would say that the flood probably preceded the Ice Age and that the melting of the ice cap that they're talking about, it might have produced a local flood, and no doubt did. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> now, this, is, from Oliver. <laughs> this is the craziest thing stated in this episode, <laughs> among the craziest things ever. And again, this is about squaring the circle. Okay. If you're, if you're going to have a supernatural event to kill everybody who is on the planet mm -hmm. except for except for a family and some animals you would absolutely an ice age would do a much better job of doing that than a flood number mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. and number two if you are a young earth creationist of the earth being 6000 years old when did this ice age occur and it is, okay. that is, it is the craziest two, thing anybody has said in this episode. Two, okay, and I, I'm to be fair, I don't think they ever said young Earth creationist in this episode. No, it wasn't because the term, the, the actual theory wasn't correct. This is what I meant at the start of the show, where this this actual tale has gotten crazier as mm -hmm. time. Is, oh yeah, yeah. Young creationist is is a relatively new thing, which. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but he, if he's, he has to be a young, the, the term wasn't used back then. Right. But for him to say that the Ice Age came after hmm. this supernatural event 
disputes that mm-hmm. that's kind of a giveaway. <laughs> because if he says that the if he says that the 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 Pentateuch is four thousand or six thousand years old, or you know, or, mm-hmm. or four thousand years old, then he's already established the timeline. <laughs> So, I mean, if he's saying that, that means that he thinks the Ice Age happened at, like, 3000 BCE, <laughs> which every single scientist in the world <laughs> will tell you is garbage. Mm-hmm. It's the craziest thing said in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which is saying something. Yes. <laughs> so, last minute. Maybe around the seacoast of the world, but this was sometime after the biblical flood. And probably was on the order of a few thousand years ago, rather than 11,000. Now, there were times in which there was a lot more ocean water on land. That is, the capacity of the ocean basin was smaller. The last time that happened was about uh, 70 or so million years ago. And there were areas that had been flooded every now and then. For instance, Northern Europe was flooded about 30 million years ago. Italy didn't even exist until relatively recently came out from the ocean and so on, but uh, a major flood covering the whole earth in a period of one year, absolutely not. Thank you. It's been said, if Noah's Ark were found tomorrow, believers would say, we told you so, and skeptics would still doubt. Okay, can I speak for the skeptics? <laughs> uh, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Part of being a skeptic is changing your opinion when evidence is is presented to mm-hmm. you. That's the definition of a skeptic. Yes. If you present to me that Noah's Ark actually existed, you still have not told me that a supernatural event was attached to that. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, you haven't proven at all that things like natural selection, uh, like evolution, like uh, any of that is debunked. So basically, if you show me Noah's Ark, you haven't proven anything. No, no, you haven't. You just proved to me that a guy built a boat. Of course, what you have to remember also is that if this... And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go generous here, and say if Noah's flood took place 4,500 years ago, not Morris's 12,000 years ago, because that would be even more ridiculous. 4,000 years ago, for 4,000 to 4,500 years ago, you're talking about the Bronze Age. There is really no way to build a boat of that scale. In the desert, because, first of all, where you got the trees, and second of all, what are your nails made from, because bronze is not at all a a hard enough metal to, you know, secure anything. You'd build that boat the second, the, the second you put it on a puddle, that thing's going to fall apart. Hell, that thing would fall apart under its own weight. Which brings me. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Uh, which brings me to a place I go by 
I, I go within a mile of twice a year. Ah, uh, yes. I, and I've been dying to stop in, but I cannot, in good conscience, give this man $45 plus $20 for parking. But a man named Ken Ham, again, pork-related, um, <laughs> um, who, uh, now this is not an original name, but I've heard him be called, and I think it's hysterical, he kind of looks like the Amish Wolverine. <laughs> um, um, he... He started. He built something called the Ark Encounter, mm-hmm. which is supposedly a perfect size replica of the Ark in his mind. Number one, it's a facade. Oh yeah, there's a building at the back of it that holds it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even with modern technology, he couldn't he could build not a boat, an Ark that was waiting for water to take it on. Mm-hmm. That's number one. I'm still number waiting. Two, I'm still waiting for the you know to find out that it it leaked and the inside flooded. Well, the, the, that that would be delicious irony. Yes. <laughs> just Google uh, just Google map the arc uh, the arc encounter and you will see that it is it, the actual arc is a facade mm-hmm. on a brick building. Mm-hmm. Now, number two, Ken Ham is up. This is where we get in a little crazier. In the fact that uh, Ken Ham and his arc create uh, encounter, as he calls it, um, is um, is he has dinosaurs on it. There's just no other way to explain it. <laughs> he says that dinosaurs were on the ark. Really? Now, some of the dinosaurs, okay, of course, were huge. Some of them were herbivores, but some of them were not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And unless they went to, like, puppy training when they were young to behave themselves on the ark. The other thing that Ken Ham postulates is that none of these animals reproduced. (laughs) That they were, for a year, that they all, you know, kept it in their pants. (laughs) This topic, from 1978 to 2018, has gotten crazier and so much more doubling down on this story, it is amazing that in the 21st century, we still have people not only jumping on board this ship, but making it even more ridiculous as we go along. Hmm. I remember having a fight with a re- or an argument with a religious person, and this is always the refuge that, re- that the religionists go into when you've got them backed into a corner, is the last thing that they'll say, well, you know, Oliver, it's possible. <laughs> It's possible that somebody did this. And my response is always, okay, but is it probable? (laughs) Is any of this probable? Mm -hmm. That's what you have to ask yourself, even if you believe the Old Testament is every word true. You have to ask yourself, is this probable (laughs) from what you know? And the answer will always be, no. Excellent. Steve, anything to add? Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I don't even think it's possible, <laughs> let alone probable. I mean, how big must this arc have been? They said 450 what? feet long, yeah, yeah. but, you know, again. You're, you're, you're not get, getting seven of every unclean animal plus dinosaur, or clean animal plus dinosaurs. <laughs> no. <that> <laughs> And them not reproducing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or 
or eating the other animals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus, I mean, I, I'm sorry to go there, but where is all the um... dung? Thank you. <laughs> now, apparently, apparently, the ark was built in three levels. <laughs> And one of these levels was to take care of this little problem. <laughs> um, but uh, you're right, Steve. I mean, it's not possible. But but this yeah. is the argument that religionists will give me. And we must also yeah. say, and to be fair here, that this is believed not just by one religion. This is believed to be true by three. Hmm. So we're not picking on the Christians here. No. Because we can pick on the Muslims and the Jews for this one, too. Hmm. And not all of them, again. And not all of them. That's true. You know, the, creationism is actually a very... It, in the scale of, let's say, the entire world, creationism is fringe at best. It's... Yes, It's fringe at best, or it's cultish at, you know... Which I, I think it's more, you know, it, it's more cultish, you know, when you look at it. If you take the whole world into account, Jason, yes, you are correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But within the United States, oh, God. This, is, this is not fringe. Yeah. Well, it's vocal minority. And unfortunately, people keep electing them. <laughs> so, <laughs> anything else to add? Because we have gone one hour and 13 minutes on this Oh, episode. my God. Sorry, people. <laughs> Don't worry. Next I, week we'll be back to normal. <laughs> I I just like to say that yes. I'm just thinking about the dung issue. <laughs> and a year's worth of dung at the bottom of a boat would probably have sunk it. <laughs> that is true. Well, yes, it would have rotted out the bottom of the boat. Exactly. Yeah. It would have destroyed the boat. Wow. Steve, your mind's always in the gutter, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> uh, anything else to add? It's nice to know that we have our own Brent on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Give me a chip to lick. If you start talking about a couch, for, for God's sake, Steve, I'm out. <laughs> hey, I bought a couch. Uh, hopefully, Hopefully by the time this episode airs, I actually have my couch. Oh, there you go. So... Oliver, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Oliver Rockside. Steve. On Twitter at Doc Finko. You can find me at Alien CG on Twitter. You can find this podcast at Illuminati Pod. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I got to go. I got to go back out. I, I got a boat to finish. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. Toodles, kids. See ya.